amazing grace, for without it all of us would be lost. We come to this hour of worship understanding that we don't deserve any good thing from you. It's all about your grace. And now, God, we pray that you would bless the preparation, the proclamation of this word. Use it for your glory and honor and bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to turn with me once again to the gospel according to St. Mark, and I want to read verses 22 through 24. The text reads, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them and said, take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. I want to continue our Lenten theme this uh, Lenten season entitled Journeying to the Cross. And today I want to shine the sermonic spotlight on the subject the blood still works. The blood still works. Chapter 14 of Mark's gospel begins with plans by the chief priests and the scribes to kill Jesus. By now they are fed up with him. They have had about as much as they could take of Jesus and his teaching and his preaching and his healing and his leadership. And, and then Mark tells of how Judas Iscariot, one of the 12, goes to the chief priest with a proposal to betray Jesus. And of course, they were elated and offered to give him money for the betrayal. Judas accepted the payment agreement and then he began looking for his best opportunity to turn Jesus over into their hands. And just a side note here this week at Bible study we pointed out how the latter part of Judas's name, the last name is scary, the last part is riot. And indeed he was a riot. Now on the the day when the Passover lamb was killed, Jesus' disciples asked him, saying, Where do you want us to go and prepare that we may eat the Passover? Now, the Feast of the Passover was an annual event celebrating God's deliverance of his people from slavery and oppression under the Pharaoh of Egypt. You remember the story. For the Jews, however, the Passover symbolized a victory of Pharaoh and over victory over Pharaoh and Egyptian bondage. But the Lord's Supper, of which Jesus was about to implement, would be the celebration of God's people over sin, over death, over the grave, and over hell. So it was when Jesus sent out two of his disciples into the city with instructions to meet a man carrying a pitcher of water to follow him and wherever he goes, say to the master of the house, the teacher says, where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? Yes, yes. Jesus said to them, then 
he will show you. Then this man who I am sending you to will show you a large room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And don't you just love it? As the story goes, the disciples being obedient to the words of Jesus did exactly what he told them to do and made ready for the meal. Isn't that exciting that they did not argue with him, they did not debate, they did not question him, but they were obedient. Oh, isn't it wonderful when we are obedient to Jesus? No arguments, no debates, no excuses, no alibis, just obedient to whatever he says. That's what these disciples did. And in the evening, Jesus with the 12 went to the designated place. And as they sat and ate together, Jesus revealed unto them a shocking revelation. He said in verse 18, assuredly, meaning certainly, without question, without doubt. Assuredly, I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. What a bombshell report that must have hit the ears of the twelve. For 11 of them, it was a bombshell revelation because they had no clue. But for one of them, Judas, it was a bombshell revelation because Jesus knew. For the 11, they had no clue. But for one, Jesus knew. What a bombshell revelation. Verse 19 recounts, and they began to be sorrow. And to say to him one by one, Jesus, is it I, 11 of them, sorrowful, saying to him, Lord, is it I? And another said, is it I? And even Judas Iscariot, (laughs) the great pretender, the master manipulator, the deplorable deceiver is still playing games, pretending, asking the question, Lord, is it I? Jesus replied in verses 21 and 22, it is one of the 12 who dips with me in the dish. The son of man indeed goes just as it is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the son of man is betrayed. It would be better for that man if he had not been born. Imagine that. Jesus explained to the 12 that he was on his way to the cross. But woe to that man who 
betrayed him. The word woe is an expression of grief or denunciation. Woe means calamity. Woe means destruction. Woe means doom. Woe means disaster. Woe means devastation. Woe means hopelessness and helplessness. Woe means sadness, suffering, and separation from God. Woe to that man. Betrays the son of man. Woe means tragedy for pretenders and religious game players. Serious business. One of the sad realities of our day, when it comes to following Jesus, some people are pretenders and game players. Like certain politicians, who particularly around election time come on strong with a frontal appearance of being faithful followers of Jesus, of being born again, but believers in Jesus Christ, uh, a frontal appearance of being all in with Jesus. But in the back rooms, in the back bank rooms, in the boardroom, in the ballroom, and even in the bedroom, their attitudes and actions betray Jesus. All you have to do is read about it. Or like certain coaches, uh, athletes, uh, entertainers, or celebrities, or managers, or company owners pretend to know Jesus and play games by taking a knee, pointing upward towards heaven, verbalizing religious phrases with one breath, but betray him by cursing and swearing and breathing out racial and sexual obscenities with the next breath. And yes, even within the church. Some dare to pretend by going through sacred motions, careful to publicly dot every theological I and every consecrated T, but betray Jesus through a lack of total surrender to his word, a complete yielding to his ways, an absolute surrender to his will, betray him by modeling a lifestyle which says Jesus, a lifestyle that says to the church, and a lifestyle that says to the world, Jesus, not thy will, but mine be done. Jesus, not your will, but my will be done. In other words, they say, through their actions, it's my life, it's my prerogative, it's my choice, 
It's my preference. It's my deal. It's my business. It's my way. It's my thing. It's my agenda. It's my plan. It's my program. It's my scheme. It's my desire. And I can do what I want to do. This is tough stuff. This is stuff that Jesus dealt with as he dealt with Judas. It's the stuff he still deals with today. It's the stuff that made Calvary a necessity, a reality, and a certainty. But here's some good news. In the midst of all this doom, Here's some shouting material. In the midst of all this gloom, because the blood of Jesus still works. Verses 22 through 24 says, and as they were eating, Jesus took bread. He blessed it and broke it and he gave it to them. And he said, take, eat, This is my body. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many, assuredly, certainly, without question. I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. The good news is that Jesus provides a way out. For all pretenders, a way out for all game players, a way out for all deceivers, a way out he offers to all liars, he offers a way out to all cheaters, he offers a way out to all adulterers, to all fornicators, all sinners, he offers a way out through the cross, through his cross. His life, his his blood, his body. We have a way out and we have a way up for surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Jesus' body was nailed to the cross. That's what the communion table symbolized. This is not an exercise in fertility. It symbolized a very real happening that Jesus Christ, Savior of the world, God's own son, Messiah, Emmanuel's body was nailed to the cross. His blood was shed on the cross. His life was given on the cross to save us, to save you and to save me, whoever we are, whatever, wherever we've been and whatever we've done. This is my body. This is my blood shed for you. The blood still works. William Cooper was born in England on November the 15th, 1731. And while suffering from prolonged periods of deep 
depression. He would spend much of his time reading the Bible and remembering his Christian upbringing as a child and his concern for the eternal destiny of his soul began to overwhelm him and he struggled with the question of his salvation and he yearned to have peace with God. He was an attorney, but he learned yearned to have peace with God. And so one day while reading the book of Romans, he was confronted with the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans 3, 23 through 25, which state, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, the redemption that is found in his body and in his blood, whom God set forth as a propitiation, a substitute for us by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance, God had passed over the sins that were previously committed. And while admitting his need of a personal relationship with Jesus, and the sufficiency of the shed blood of Jesus to wash away his sins. In other words, Cooper came to understand that no matter how great a wretch he was, no matter what he had done in the past, no matter where he had been, no matter who loved him or who hated him, no matter who condemned him, he came to understand that the blood still works. And so he wrote these words which summarize the essence of the table, words that crystallize in song the truth that the blood still works. Cooper wrote, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that blood, get this, lose all their guilty stains. The dying thief, Cooper wrote, rejoiced to see that fountain in his day. And there may I, though vile as he, wash all my sins away. Lent reminds us, this season reminds us, as we journey to the cross, no matter how wretched we have been, no matter the mistakes we still make, the blood still.